Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can still. My soul is thirsty, Lord, to know you as I'm known. Uh, Jesus, I declare my love for you this morning. Jesus, I declare that I want to know you more and more. I want to know you better each day. And so as I come into your presence, Lord, I know that this longing, this desire, this thirst in my heart will be quenched. Lord, you will cause me to know you more and more. Lord, I say thank you. Thank you for a brand new day. Thank you, Lord, because there are brand new messes for me this morning. Thank you, Lord, because there are brand new grace for us this morning. Thank you for this grace and this boldness to be able to come into your presence. Scripture says, come into the presence of God with thanksgiving. Enter his court with praise. And so, Lord, I praise you this morning. I say thank you. Thank you for the gift of life. As we see the sun rise again this morning, we know that you are a faithful God. We know that the covenant we have with you in Christ Jesus has not been broken. And so, Lord, we can say thank you. Thank you for this covenant. Thank you, Lord, for making us your own, your children. Thank you for this great privilege. We do not take it for granted. Once again, we have come, Lord. We have come to uh, feast in your presence. We have come to fellowship in your presence. We have come to read. We have come to learn. Lord, we ask that you will speak to us this morning. Cause our hearts to retain your word. But let your name alone be glorified in our lives. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right, it's a good morning, a good afternoon, good evening to everyone listening in. I am Murphy A.A. Nike sharing devotion with you. Today I will start a new book, the book of Second Chronicles. And I'm telling you just like that, we are moving quickly and swiftly through, uh, through the Old Testament. I'm sure you've been blessed. I have been blessed. I've learned so much from the characters and in this book. Uh, beyond that, already you can see a map. I hope you realize that what we've just done when we completed the book of First Kings and Second Kings was that we went, you know, we were, we had been able to take from Genesis to Second King, taking the entire Old Testament. Okay, that's what we do, we we just did. And so reading the book of First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, we will back up again and read the accounts a second time. And then from now, we begin to read the accounts of the, what we call the minor prophets, all of them prophesying during the periods of the kings. So in some sense, we have finished the Bible already. <laughs> okay, so, uh, but yes, it leads out a clear plan, a clear plan in the mind of God, right from Genesis, how God planned to redeem man to himself, and then God does this, you know, um, uh, first of all, by calling Abraham, 
and then that goes into the nation of Israel. God sets apart Israel as a nation for himself. And then Israel was supposed to be our example, an example to the world, and how they fell away, and then the Messiah will eventually come, which is now, yes, the beginning of the New Testament. So the plan is clear, and I'm sure uh, you will be blessed. So like I said, We'll start the book of Second Chronicles today. We've read a lot of these accounts in the book of Second Kings, so we're focusing on Solomon and the remaining kings. So um, during this period, I will be reading more, more than explaining, uh, because we already took a lot of the lessons, you know, uh, from here already. But when anything props up that looks like something we did not account for before, I would be sure uh, not to mention them. So we'll have a, quite a lot of speed. Today we will take four chapters. Yes, first time we'll be able to take four chapters. So get your Bibles, Second Chronicles, uh, chapter Second uh, Chronicles, chapter one. It says Solomon, son of David, took firm control of his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him very powerful. We know how that happened. Uh, Solomon shed quite <laughs> a lot of blood. You know when he became king, you know dealt with everyone who took his father for granted. Solomon dealt with them. Two, Solomon called together all the leaders of Israel, the generals and captains of the army, the judges and all the political and clan leaders. And then he led the entire assembly to the place of worship in Gibeon, for God's tabernacle was located there. This was the tabernacle that Moses, the Lord's servant, had made in the wilderness. David had already moved the ark of God from Kiriath Jerimth to, to the tent he had prepared for it in Jerusalem. But the bronze altar made by Bezalel, Bezalel, son of Uri, and grandson of Or, was, was there at Gibeon in front of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Solomon and the people gathered in front of it to consult the Lord. There in front of the tabernacle, Solomon went up to the bronze altar in the Lord's presence and sacrificed 1,000 bronze offerings on it. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said, What do you want? Ask. I will give it to you. So it wasn't because of the offerings that God was, you know, uh, doing this. It wasn't that God was just wild, okay? Uh, but yes, there was a dynasty God had promised David that he was going to fulfill through his son Solomon if Solomon would show himself faithful. And I think this was what God was honoring, not because the, the thousand bond offering were swelling the minds of God. Verse 7 says that that night God appeared to Solomon and said, What do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied to God, You showed great and faithful love to David, my father, and now you have made me king in his place. O Lord God, please continue to keep your promise to David, my father, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Remember, at this time, Solomon was a young man, okay? Solomon was quite, quite young. I have not been able to track studies that tells us exactly how old he was. But obviously, Solomon was a young, a young man at this time. He was not married, okay? So he was a young man at this time. We know that eventually 
it is the wives that he will marry that will turn that will turn his heart against God. He says, You have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. He says, Give me the wisdom and knowledge to lead them properly. For who could possibly govern this great people of yours? So Solomon was not asking for something for himself. He was asking that Lord help me to be able to lead your people. And I'm telling you, God was wild. God said to Solomon, because your greatest desire is, is to help your people. Remember, God sees the heart of men, okay? So yes, Solomon was sincere. What he wanted was wisdom to be able to lead his, these people. He says, because your greatest desire is to help your people, and you did not ask for wealth, riches, fame, or even the death of your enemies or long life, but rather you asked for wisdom and knowledge to, gov- to properly govern my people. I will certainly give you the wisdom and knowledge you requested, but I will also give you wealth, riches, and fame such as no other king has had before you or will ever have in the future. Then Solomon returned to Jerusalem from the tabernacle at the place of worship in Gibeon, and he reigned over Israel. Solomon built a huge force of chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. He stationed some of them in the chariot cities and some near him in Jerusalem. The king made silver and gold as plentiful in Jerusalem as stone, and valuable cedar timber was as common as the sycamore fig tree that grew in the foothills of Judah. Solomon horses were imported from Egypt and from Cilicia. Uh, the king's traders acquired them from Cilicia at the standard price. At that time, chariots from Egypt uh, could be purchased for, six, for 600 pieces of silver and horses uh, for 150 pieces of silver. They were then exported to the, to the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Aram. So, um, very quickly, uh, we know what eventually will happen. The temple will be dedicated. Solomon will pray before the temple. God will give him wisdom like none before him. And then, uh, sadly, uh, things will begin to unravel as Solomon begins to marry many wives. Yes, many wives that will turn his heart against God. All right, let's move on to chapter 2. Solomon prepares for the building of the temple. Solomon decided to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord and also a royal palace for himself. So we know that it wasn't just his decision. It was clear instructions you know, from his father, David, who prepared, prepared the materials, prepared the people, had building plans, had everything well structured based on what God already told him. So when he says Solomon decided, no, it wasn't, I guess it was just about deciding the timing. He enlisted a force of 70,000 laborers, 80,000 men to quarry stone in the hill country and 3,600 foremen. Solomon also sent uh, this message to King Iram after Yes, Solomon sent this message to King Iram at Thair. Send me cedar logs as you did for my father David when he was building his palace. I'm about to build a temple to honor the name of the Lord my God. It will be a place set apart to burn fragrance incense before him, to display the special sacrificial bread and to sacrifice burnt offering each morning and evening on the Sabbath at New Moon celebration, celebrations and at all the appointed festival of the Lord our God. He has commanded Israel to do these things 
forever. Uh, this must be a magnificent temple because our God is greater than all other gods. But who can, uh, who can really build him a worthy home? Not even the highest heavens uh, can contain him. So who am I to consider building a temple for him except as a place to burn sacrifices uh, to him? So send me a master craftsman, craftsman who can work with gold, silver, bronze, and iron, as well as with purple scarlet and blue cloth. Uh, he must be a skilled engraver who can work uh, with the craftsmen of Judah and Jerusalem, uh, who were selected by my father David. Also send me cedar cypress and red sandalwood logs from Lebanon, for I know that your men are without equal at cutting timber in Lebanon. I will send my men to help them. An immense amount of timber will be needed uh, for the temple I am going to build, uh, for it will be very large and magnificent. In payment for your woodcutters, I will send 100,000 bushels of crushed wheat, 100,000 bushels of barley, 110,000 gallons of wine, and 110,000 gallons of olive oil. King Aram sent this letter of reply to Solomon. It is because the Lord loves his people that he has made you their king. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who made the heavens and the earth. Uh, he has given King David a wise son, gifted with skill and understanding, who will build a temple for the Lord and a royal palace for himself. I am sending you a master craftsman uh, named Uram Abi, uh, who is extremely ta talented. His mother is from the tribe of Dan in Israel, and his father is from Tyre. He is uh, skillful at making things from gold, silver, and bronze, and iron, and he also works with stone and wood. He can work with purple, blue, and scarlet cloth, and fine linen. He is also an engraver and can follow any design given to him. He will work with your craftsmen and those appointed by my lord David, your father. Send along the wheat, barley, olive oil, and wine that my Lord has mentioned. We will cut whatever timber you need from the Lebanon mountains and we float the logs in rafts down the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Joppa. From there, you can transport the logs up to Jerusalem. Solomon took a census of all foreigners in the land of Israel, like the census his father had taken, and he counted 153,600. He assigned 70,000 of them as common laborers, 80,000 as quarry workers in the hill country, and 3,600 as four men. So really, it wasn't eventually the Israelites that built it. It was foreigners that built the temple. Did you hear that? Yes. It was foreigners that built the temple. Also notice King Aram gave cedar logs you know, to, to Solomon. Yes, for those of us who take um, Wahek, Wahek, CROK and CRS seriously, these are some of the kind of questions that will come up. Alright, so let's go on to chapter 3. Uh, Solomon builds the temples. Verse 1, so Solomon began to build the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his to, to David, his father. The temple was built on the threshing floor of Aruna. Yes, so remember I said this, uh, because I there were one or two people, there was one who, someone who wrote to me that he had never read it in the Bible, that yes, the temple was actually built on that, on that threshing floor. 
you know and yes i so i pointed the person to this verse second chronicles chapter 3 yes it's right there it says the lord where the lord appeared to david his father the temple was built on the threshing floor of aaron the jebusite the site that david had selected so after david offered sacrifices to god that day and fire fell from heaven to consume uh, that sacrifice it was a sign okay and a prophecy to david that this was where the temple was also to be built and when the temple will be built there you know now the fire of god will come down from heaven again and the glory of god will fill the temple at its dedication verse 2 says the construction began in mid spring uh, during the fourth year of solomon's reign so you see that solomon was a young man took the throne as a young man it was just four years after he began to build the temple he didn't finish this temple in about 20 years you know after uh, but i'm telling you um those were the, the good times you could say verse 3 says these are the dimensions solomon used for the foundation of the temple of god using the old standard of measurement it was 90 feet long and 30 feet wide the end the entry room at the front of the temple was 30 feet wide running across the entire width of the temple and 30 feet high he overlaid the inside with pure gold he paneled the main room of the temple with cypress wood overlaid it with fine gold and decorated it with carvings of palm trees and chains he decorated the walls of the temple with beautiful jewels and with gold from the land of Pavim. he overlaid the beams thresholds walls and doors throughout the temple with gold he carved figures of cherubims on the wall. I, 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 I'm sure you remember this when we were reading uh, this in Second Second uh, Kings, right? We said it was magnificent. It was too much, too much wealth for one person. Look, I'm telling you, uh, there, there's an extent to which wealth can even get into it. It was too much. I'm telling you, too much. Everything was gold he made the most holy place 30 feet wide corresponding to the width of the temple and 30 feet deep he overlaid its interior with 23 tons of fine gold the gold nails that were used weighed 20 ounces each he also overlaid the walls of the upper room with gold he made two figures shaped like cherubims overlaid them with gold and placed them in the most holy place the total wingspan of the two cherubims standing side by side was 30 feet one wing of the first figure was seven and a half long and it touched the temple wall the other wing also seven and a half feet long touched one of the wings of the second figure in the same way uh, the second figure had one wing seven and a half feet long that touched the opposite wall so from wall to wall really the cherubims covered the covered the ark and covered the entire holy place the other wing also seven and a half feet long touched the wing of the first figure so the wingspan of the two cherubims side by side was uh, 30 feet they stood on their feet and faced out towards the main room of the temple verse 14 across the entrance of the most holy place uh, he owned a curtain made of fine linen decorated with blue purple purple and scarlet thread and embroidered uh, with figures of cherubim for the front of the temple he made two pillars that were 27 feet tall each topped by a capital extending upward upward extending upward another each 
topped by a capital extending upward another seven and a half, another seven and a half feet. He made a network of interwoven chain and used them to decorate the tops of the pillars. He also made 1,000 decorative pomegranates and attached them to the chains. Then he set up uh, the, the two pillars at the entrance of the temple, one to the south of the entrance and the other to the north. He named the one on the south, Jackin, and the one on the north, Boaz. Alright, let's finish this today by reading chapter 4. So like I said, we are moving with speed because we've read a lot of this uh, and we know the lessons we've taken from here. As we stop here today, uh, the lesson would be uh, remember that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I hope you haven't forgotten. So as as Solomon, you know, magnificently, you know, decorates this temple, you need to decorate your own temple also <laughs> by filling it with praise for God. All right, so let's read Second Chronicles chapter 4. And then, yes, Solomon will be furnishing the temple. Solomon also made a bronze altar 30 feet long, 30 feet wide, and 15 and a half feet high. Then he cast a great round basin 15 feet across from rim to rim called the sea. It was seven and a half feet deep and, and f- about 45 feet in circumference. It was encircled just below its rim by two rows of figures that resembled oxen. Uh, there were about six oxen uh, per foot all the way around and they were cast as part of the basins. The sea was placed on the base of 12 bronze oxen, all facing outward. Uh, three faced north, three faced west, three faced south, and three faced east, and the sea rested on them. The walls of the sea were about three inches thick, and its rim flared out like a cup and resembled a, a, a water lily blossom. It could hold about 16,500 gallons of water. He also made uh, 10 smaller basins for washing the utensils uh, for the bond offerings. He set he set five on the south side and five on the north, but the priest washed themselves in the sea. He then cast 10 gold lampstands according to the specification that had been given, and he put them in the temple. Five were placed against the south wall, and five were placed against the north wall. He also uh, built ten tables and placed them in the temple, five along the south wall and five along the north wall. Then he molded 100 gold basins. Hmm. He then uh, built a courtyard for the priests and also uh, the large outer court. He made doors for the courtyard entrances and overlaid them with bronze. The great bronze basin called the sea was placed near the southeast corner of the temple. Uram Abi also made the necessary wash basins, shovels, and bowls. So at last, Uram Abi completed everything King Solomon had assigned him to make for the temple of God. So as we read all of this, remember, every single thing will be carried off into captivity. Gradually, as each king that came, you know, turned away from God, some of them actually used the gold of this temple, you know, to pay as ransom, you know, to for kings to leave them alone 
it was quite terrible. Verse 12 says the two pillars, uh, the two uh, bowl-shaped capital on top of the pillars, the two networks of interwoven chains that decorated the capitals, the 400 pomegranates that hung from the chains on the capital, two rows of pomegranates for each of the chain networks that decorated the capitals on top of the pillars, the water calves holding, holding the basins, uh, the sea and the 12 oxen under it, the ash buckets, the shovels, the meat hooks, and all the related articles. Uram Abi made all these things of burnished bronze for the temple of the Lord, just as King Solomon had directed. The king had them had them cast in clay molds in the Jordan Valley between Sokoth and Zarathan. Uh, Solomon used such great quantities of bronze that it its weight could not be determined. Solomon also made all the furnishings for the temple of God, the gold altar, the tables uh, for the for the bread of presence. And I'm telling you, Solomon was just you know it was just gold. If it was if it was not gold, it was silver. It was not silver, it was bronze. Those the bronze they did not even bother themselves measuring it. I'm telling you, since the table for the bread of the presence the lamps stand and their lamps of solid gold to to burn in front of the most holy place as prescribed the flower decorations lamps and tongues all of the purest gold the lamp snuffers bowls ladders and incense burners all of solid gold the doors for the entrance to the most holy place and the main room of the temple overlaid with gold wow Alright, so we stop our reading today. What lessons can we take from here? And never forget, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, uh, Solomon was uh, just wanted to, to blow himself away, wanted to blow the world away. Everyone who came to see this temple were wowed. And I'm telling you, you should take care of your temple like that. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Not just your spirit, your body itself is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The way you take care of it, one day you will give account. Just the same way Solomon was carefully giving account of everything, measuring everything, one day you too you will give account of this body okay so i uh, cherish it okay um be sure that when you will stand before god that day to give account for this temple uh, it will be a good account but beyond that aha uh -huh, yes that temple should be a place that praises god so your life must bring praise to god and i'm telling you that is what i take away from reading about the magnificent of this temple my life should bring so much glory to god and i'm praying for you your life will radiate god's glory in the mighty name of Jesus, your life will be God praised. When people look at you, they will see what it means to love God. They will see what it means to praise God in the mighty name of Jesus. As you seek to know God and to love him, I pray for you that you will know God more and more. You will know God for yourself in the mighty name of Jesus. And as you know God, the Bible says those who know their God will be, will be strong and they will do exploit. I declare you will be strong, you will do exploit in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you for today. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.